Welcome in, episode 194, What's Right with Nick Wright, and this episode is brought to you by the McDonald's app. I love the McDonald's app specifically for McDelivery. It's perfect for any situation. Say it's pouring down rain and you don't want to go out to go get a McDouble. Boom, McDelivery. Say your team's playing and you, of course, don't want to miss a single second. That's what McDelivery's for. Let's say it's been a long day. What better way to fix that than a delicious quarter pounder with cheese and a large fry delivered right to you. I love to order McDelivery when I'm watching a game or maybe playing a game with my daughter and don't want to leave the house. And now every time you order McDelivery in the McDonald's app, it earns you points towards free food and who doesn't like free food. So there's always a reason to order in the McDonald's app. Download the McDonald's app today at participating McDonald's. Delivery prices may be higher than at restaurants. Delivery and other fees may apply. Copyright 2023 McDonald's. All right, welcome in. Big show for us today. It's our gambling show, as promised. Just like last year, right around week 10, right around Thanksgiving, I have turned my season around. I believe I am right at 500. I might be one game below 500, but regardless, we feel great about where I am. I am also disappointed in DeMonze's teasers, but not for the reason that people think. I'm not disappointed that DeMonze has gotten eight teasers in a row wrong. That's not what's disappointing. What's disappointing, DeMonze, is that week two, you got it right. Because had you, like being one and nine just sucks. Being 0 and 10, we could have turned it into a bit. We might have gotten some like a little internet traction. Like this sports betting expert can't hit a teaser save his life. The win in week two is what is right now the fly in the ointment. But I haven't looked at it yet. I, I mean, Well, at this point, yeah, but I, it's just not as fun, the fact that you have that one win mixed in, and the I win came early enough. Right? Oh, wait, was the last the last win made it to where I came No, you could still be 500. I mean, there's 18-week yeah. regular yeah. season, so you, all yeah, you got to do is go from losing eight in a row to winning eight in a row, and you'll be right there. And by the way, yeah. I haven't looked at um, the teaser yet this week. But I producer Daniel said he loves it, and so we'll see. All right, so let's get to what missed the cut for today's show. Uh, LeBron passing Jason Kidd in triple doubles. I Listen, last year the oldest guy in the league was Giannis Haslam, who was a, essentially a coach who didn't play. This year the oldest guy in the league is LeBron James, who is still unequivocally one of the seven or eight best players in the league. I don't even know how to quantify what we're seeing, but the Lakers did lose. AD had a brutal night. He put up the true Draymond, a triple single, which you never want to do. Celtics beat the 76ers. Big win for your Celtics, DeMonze. Nice win win for them, Uh, especially because the Sixers had beaten them them the the other day, and now the Celtics kind of stabilized, and they did it without, I'll be honest, I didn't watch that game. They, they did it without, without Chris Stapps or Jalen Brown, right? And yeah. so that's an excellent win for them. They're number one in the East right now. And Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's parents are going to meet at Monday Night Football. Taylor's dad, famously an Eagles fan, but was wearing a Chiefs lanyard at the Buenos Aires concert along with Travis Kelsey when Taylor ran and leapt into his arms. It's going to be, I, I mean, it's going to be something else. I, you know what's? I'll tell you something real quick. So your mom. Oh wait, gosh darn it. Maybe I shouldn't. 
Hold on, let me wait to talk about this. It's not actually a bad thing about your mom. It's about a thing your mom and I are doing that I was considering inviting Travis Kelsey to. And then it occurred to me, I was like, if I invited Travis and he actually came, would he? Would that then mean Taylor Swift is going, which actually I think would potentially be as cool as it would be a bad thing. Like if Taylor Swift goes anywhere, she becomes the center of attention and the exact event that I'm thinking of, I'm not sure if you would want that. Uh, but that's yeah. where they're at in their relationship, Demonze. I think these two are going to get married. I really do. I think these yeah. two are going to get married. And I, I, I think Gabe said, I think this was off the air, but I'll do yeah, it on the air real quick. I think Gabe last week was said that he thought this might shorten Travis's career because mm. he is, well, have ascended to a totally new level of fame, wealth, right. all of these things. I'm going the other way, which is I really think it would appear Taylor Swift loves that her boyfriend is this awesome athlete. You know, Kevin yeah. Wilde says life is high school. That just life is just high school with adults. And his theory on Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey is the following, and it's a pretty sharp one. It's that in high school, Taylor Swift was the band girl, the music girl, who obviously had, you know, her, because she was pretty, she was a pretty well-established musician, very young, had her mm -hmm. own area of popularity, but still in high school, the star athletes don't really pay attention to the band kids. And now what? she is, now the star athlete, the homecoming king, if you will, is enamored with her, and she is getting to live out all those high school football games that maybe she didn't get yeah. to live out when she was in high school. So I think he's going to play forever now. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying it's almost like uh, I think I was going to use a bad analogy. So I'm going to back out saying like maybe okay, good. somebody has a kid and like lives no, it, vicariously uh, through them. But that was bad. Oh, yeah. That no, that's I mean, that it's it's it, exactly like it, it, it's kind of hit or miss. There. It's not exactly. But I understand what you're saying. Like right. it, in this in that analogy, it was it. I mean, all I mean, I kind of. Not in a bad way, the way some people do, but I kind of did that with you when it came to your high school basketball career because I, I wasn't loved thinking high that school basketball. I know you. Like, I, I know like, you weren't. No, no, no. Because usually it <laughs> kind of has nefarious implications. But I loved right. high school basketball. It's some of the fondest memories of my life. But I wasn't great. You know what I mean? I was. Yeah. I was on a, a small school, bad team, and I was like the fifth guy my senior year on that bad team. You went to a giant school and were the best guy. And so I got, it was super fun for me to be able to see you live that out live and kind that, of, I don't want right. to say live vicariously, but I got some of the same thrills of seeing you do it. Uh, the, the, but there was, oh, one other thing on this before we get to the actual show that I will say, it's always dangerous in the age of social media, when you get to a whole new level of fame and people start going through old tweets, mm. and especially if you've had tweets from when you were in high school yourself, and it has been absolutely delightful to see that Travis has always been the same super chill, fun <laughs> guy. 
All these old tweets that the Swifties are coming about is like him misspelling the word squirrel and talking about <laughs> feeding a squirrel bread. It's him saying, man, the moon looks amazing. I'm just going to vibe out and watch the moon. It's no uh, misogyny. It's no right. homophobia. It's no racism. It's not like, oh, Travis Kelsey in ninth grade was super problematic. It's no, Travis Kelsey in ninth grade was crazy high, just chilling. <laughs> and it's just such a delight because he's such a good dude that he doesn't have to. It really feels like right now he is living the best ver the best life he possibly could be. All right, let's get to Chiefs Eagles. Go ahead. All right, the Eagles are coming to Kansas City for a little Super Bowl rematch. They've got unfinished yeah. business. Uh, so mm -hmm. if this is a potential Super Bowl rematch, should Andy Reid and the Chiefs keep some tricks under their sleeve, or should they let it all out? Well, so th that's a, actually a really interesting question, which is do you want to keep some things in reserve if you have to play this team again? And the answer to that question is, you know, yes and no. I, for instance, there has been a lot of, and I'm going to take this kind of bigger picture and then we'll get to the Eagles game, a lot of questions about the usage of two chief players in particular who were wildly important last year and this year have seen their snaps and their opportunities cut. And that's Kadarius Toney and Jarek McKinnon. And I am of, and this is, by the way, very polarizing within kind of the Chiefs community, if you will, about what's happening. Did McKinnon get old? Is Tony just not as good as people thought he was? All these things. I am strongly of the belief that the Chiefs know with Tony he cannot stay healthy for an entire season. That has been the knock on him his whole pro career. And McKinnon is a running back into his 30s. I want. I mean, how old is Jet McKinnon? I'm going to check real I quick. Was that but I old. think he's, he's 32, which for a running back, or 31, pardon me, which for a running back makes him one of the older running backs in the league. Tony's very young, but injury prone. Jarek McKinnon, who had the nine touchdown catches as a running back last year, is really good. So I believe the Chiefs are not necessarily like saving plays, but saving wear and tear on those two players specifically. I think that they are really trying to make sure those guys are give them the best chance they have of being healthy going into the or going into the stretch run. Now now when it comes to playing the Eagles, I wouldn't hold anything reserve in reserve with one exception. If by some chance, and the and the odds of this being the case are incredibly low, but if by some chance Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, has figured out how to stop the brotherly shove, I wouldn't show the world that I have figured that out yet. If somehow he has actually, like they have realized, wait, there is a way to stop it, here's what we do, I would keep that in reserve. But other than that, you try to go win this football game because you are in such an advantageous position for being able to get the one seed. The, the big story from a Chiefs perspective this, uh, this weekend was the Chiefs hit a 
five-team parlay on best-case scenario losses. So the Dolphins didn't play. They lead the AFC East. But the last time they did play, the Chiefs beat them. But this weekend, without playing, the AFC North leader, Ravens, lost. The AFC South leader, Jaguars, lost. A team that has given the Chiefs some trouble, the Bengals, lost. A team that a lot of people thought was going to, this was going to be the year. The Bills, they lost and fired their coordinator. And a team that I have no fear of whatsoever, but is in the division and theoretically could try to run down the Chiefs for the division title, the Chargers, they lost. So all of the teams the Chiefs would have wanted to lose this weekend lost. And so their ability to lock up the one seed earlier than expected is very possible. Now, if you're going to lose a game, you always want to lose non-conference games rather than conference games. But beating Philly off the bye would send a signal to the rest of the league that the a lot of the hand-wringing about the Chiefs was overstated. And one other one other kind of long-term prediction when you look at the schedule. I think so week 17, second to last week of the year on New Year's Eve, the Bengals come to Arrowhead, also known if you're a Cincinnati fan as Burrowhead Stadium. I think two things are going to happen in that nationally televised one of the games of the year to Monse. I think the Chiefs will lock up the one seed with a week to play, and I think the Bengals will be officially eliminated from the playoffs. I think with a week left, because the Bengals, if, when we'll talk about them in a moment, they lose tonight, they fall to 5-5. Five and five. They're damn, They don't have to quite run the table. They probably have to go to 6-1 and one the rest of the way. I think that is going to be the final Burrowhead Stadium revenge, is the Chiefs not, eliminating them from the playoffs while locking up the one seed on uh, December 31st in Week 17. You have a follow-up here, Demonze. Oh, well, I mean, I feel like you kind of answered it, but this game, Mahomes is obvious. You said that Mahomes has never lost a meaningful regular season game. With everything yeah. riding on this one and it being at home and, you know, it being the Eagles who they played in the Super Bowl last year, would this be a meaningful game? Well, I want to. So people, I think, have misconstrued what I'm saying by never lost a meaningful regular season game. It's To me, it's a very binary question. Did losing this game cost you anything? And if for the Chiefs, they every single playoff game has been played at Arrowhead. They have ne- they've either been the one or the two seed every year. You can make the strong argument that all of their regular season losses have been, relatively speaking, meaningless because they still achieved everything you can achieve in a regular season. If the Chiefs end up losing this game and still being the one seed, you can't you, you can't get more than the one seed. So, so from that perspective, I would I'm saying meaningless. From a mojo or confidence or belief perspective if you were to play this team again in the Super Bowl you could say it's meaningful there go ahead what what were you going to say yeah I was just going to say how much is confidence worth to you because I mean when players like I know that after and I I'm not going to bring you back to game one of the season anymore yeah. this last time no you're fine but when they lost the Lions Mahomes had said 
Obviously, it didn't matter because they won the next game, but Mahomes is embarrassed. And I don't think I've ever heard him say anything well, like that. Well, so embarrassed, embarrassed. Is different. embarrassed is different than not confident. So I think confidence matters a lot for certain teams. I think the Bills, confidence has been shattered, and you're seeing it manifest itself yeah. in moments such as literally not being able to execute a handoff. I mean, that yeah. fumble they had on Monday night, they, they the lack of confidence in the coaching staff to where they're firing offensive coordinators. I think the Chiefs, because they have had a nearly unprecedented run of success, are as confident as any team in the league no matter what happens. And I'll say, when we're talking confidence, I'll say this much. Let me put it like this. I think this game is way more meaningful for Philadelphia. Because if you're Philadelphia, yeah, you're you're and you look at it and you say, okay, we basically never lose when Jalen Hurts plays, except for the two times we've played the Chiefs, and we're trying to get back to the Super Bowl, and the overwhelming favorite to be in the Super Bowl on the other side is the Chiefs. So I think from a confidence perspective, this game has a hell of a lot more meaning for Philadelphia. All right, next. All right, so this is the best Thursday night game that we've had all year, I assume. Uh, so the Ravens. Yeah, and I mean, Cincinnati. if you don't count the season opener, that's right. I mean, the season opener is not Who's a real season deal. opener. Who's what Chiefs Thursday? Lions? But oh yeah, yeah, it was, it yeah. was, it was. But it does, that doesn't really feel like a Thursday night game because it's not a short week and all that stuff. But yes, right. I, I agree. With, certainly the best since then. But go ahead. So Burrow and the Bengals are facing off Lamar and the Ravens. Uh, you've always voiced yep. that the Cincinnati Bengals are the scarier team. So who would you yeah. be rooting for in this game? Would you be rooting for a Ravens win, Cincy win? Because everybody's saying the Ravens are the scariest teams of the Chiefs right now. Well, so I, I, I'm rooting for Cincinnati purely from a I want the Chiefs to be able to lock up the one seed as early as possible. And Cincinnati's not a real contender for the one seed. The Ravens technically are. And if the Ravens got another AFC loss, then the Chiefs would be in just a super advantageous position. If the Ravens dropped to four losses, all AFC losses, Kansas City would have a de facto tiebreaker over them. They already have the tiebreaker over Miami. They already have the tiebreaker over Jacksonville to where you'd now be in a point where if any of those teams had the same record as Kansas City, Kansas City would get the one. Uh, I don't, so I get in that regard, I'm somewhat rooting for the Ravens uh, from a kind of more pragmatic standpoint. From an emotional standpoint, I didn't I haven't liked the arrogance that some of the Bengals players and fans have exhibited because they beat Patrick Mahomes in overtime once. And the Burrowhead Stadium stuff <laughs> has really irritated me. And if you remember Orlando Brown, he goes from Kansas City to Cincinnati, and then I don't know if it was Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. One of the receivers was like, ah, oh, you know, this is a big rivalry, and we one-upped them. And now all the Bengals fans are upset with Orlando Brown because he hasn't played that well. There's, I like Burrow and Chase a ton. Uh, I think some of the other guys chirp a little, a little much for my liking, but that's fine. Uh, I also, I also think it would be really interesting if the Bengals and the Bills both missed the playoffs this year. 
because it will kind of crystallize how impossible what Kansas City is doing has been. That these two guys that were supposed to be the rivals, they can't even make the playoffs every year, let alone make multiple Super Bowls, let alone you know host multiple conference championship games. But who I'm rooting for is maybe not as important as this. I think the Ravens are going to win. I think yeah. the, the Bengals are banged up. The Ravens are coming off a terrible loss because they gave the game away. And I think the Ravens are going to win. Now, defense is going to mess them up. Well, that's, that would be the concern. That would be that the Bengals can't block the Ravens. And obviously that was the case in their first matchup. But the first matchup, Joe Burrow's injured, so we kind of throw it out, right? It was week two. Burrow couldn't move around at all. Now the Ravens, Marlon Humphrey's not expected to play, so covering Chase is going to be a problem. But if you can't block him, then covering him is not as you well, know what I mean. Not not, not as critical of a re- of a piece of the pie. And so I here's what I will say. I think if the Bengals lose this game, they're done. I think the if you look at Cincinnati, the only team they would have a tiebreaker over is Buffalo because they they would have been swept by the Ravens. They've already lost to the Browns once, so their best-case scenario within the division would be a 3-3 three and three divisional record if they win all the rest of their games. All of their losses are AFC losses, and the rest of the way, they don't have a single cupcake on the schedule. After tonight, they have the Steelers. They're in Jacksonville. They're home for the Colts, which is supposed to be the easiest, but the Colts have five wins. They're home for the Vikings, which seemed like an easy one, but the Vikings do have six wins. Then they're at the Steelers, at the Chiefs, and home for the Browns, a Browns team that year after year beats them up. If they fall to 5-5, five and five, DeMonze, they need to go 6-1 and one the rest of the way. I don't think that's possible. And so I do think the Bengals' season is on the line tonight. I like the Ravens. If I were going to bet it, I'd probably bet the Bengals because three and a half is too, like, I, I kind of on the record on this, that any of these AFC North matchups where it's more than three points, unless there is something drastic that's happened with a quarterback, I just think taking the points is smart. But I think the Ravens are in, I'm sorry, the Bengals are in real rough shape if they lose tonight, and I think they are going to lose tonight. And I think Lamar and the Ravens have a point to make about uh, kind of try, uh, uh, that last week was a fluke. The, the worry for the Ravens is, while they have been just dynamic and dominant throughout, they have just found a way to give games away. And having double-digit leads and blowing those games, not being able to close out the Colts early in the year, all of that is concerning, but I think tonight they win. All right, next. I think the Colts beat the Ravens last year, too, for some reason. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. That might be right, but go ahead. Yeah, so on Tuesday, Draymond Green was ejected after putting Gobert in a chokehold for grabbing up Klay Thompson. He was hit with a five-game suspension. Uh, you you joked. I mean, the Warriors have been a disaster. Steph has been the only one hitting shots, and you joked that they were cooked earlier. But how exactly cooked are they now that all of this has unfolded? 
Okay, and by the way, the Colts last year beat the Chiefs. They didn't play the Ravens, but that was the Colts' big the shocking Chiefs. win last year was the Copy. Chiefs. So I don't think that I've said um, that the the Warriors this year are cooked. What I I was actually impressed by how they were playing very early in the season. After what I the have said point. is sorry for not as, as of late is that the. Other than Steph, nobody is really carrying their weight. And that is still the case. Now, uh, I don't want to make any big-picture proclamations about the Warriors right now. I think they they have a trade to make. I think that they probably will make. I don't know what it is. But I don't think this is going to be the exact team they go into the uh, postseason with. And Steph has been so good. And aside from Denver... It doesn't really look like there is a Wait. team in the West that you can just pencil in. Go ahead. Is that trade going to involve Draymond Green, or are you talking about like some of the rookies or something? On the, no, 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 you know? no. I don't oh, think they're okay. going to trade Draymond or Steph. I'm sorry, Draymond. Uh, well, of course. Not Steph, but Draymond or Clay. <laughs> uh, they're Bobby. obviously not going to trade Steph, but I don't think they're going to trade Draymond or Clay. I think I still think it's on the board they trade Chris Paul, and it's certainly on the board they trade some of the young guys. And, you know, Zach Levine's available. There are different pieces that will come available throughout the year. This is what I'll say about uh, the Draymond thing. Gobert was correct that when Steph doesn't play, he doesn't want to play. I mean, the fact of the matter is this. Over the last five years, Draymond has been ejected from four of the nearly 200 games Steph has played. That's 2%. And seven... Of the 74 games, Steph hasn't. That's 10%. So in the last, think about it like this. In the last five years, Draymond has been ejected 11 times. Seven of those games were games Steph didn't play. That part's true. What's also true is this. Draymond has, just in the last three games, been thrown out of one game, then chirped at Anthony Edwards, and Anthony Edwards lit the Warriors on fire, and then got thrown out of another game. For attacking Rudy Gobert. Go ahead, Demaze. Get him off. Of, like, he, the juice is not worth the squeeze with this guy. Like, with before Draymond? you could say that he was the glue or he was the galvanizer for the team. But, dude, you're overstaying. You're welcome at this point. You're overdoing it. Like, you did what you did before, but now you're just becoming a problem. Like, and the other so, thing is, like, uh, I, he said that, he, that uh, the Rudy Gobert had his hand around Clay, But, like, dude... He said he had his hand, he had his arm around my guy. Draymond had him hemmed up for like 15 extra seconds after that. Well, well that's just, that, and that, listen, exactly. There is no defending Draymond on this. His own coach, Steve Kerr, was pleading with him to let him go. He, he didn't, I mean, he targeted Gobert because they have a long-standing beef that, you know, that he is, he, he they've never liked each other. He's clearly been waiting to do that. But just in the last two dozen games he's played, he stomped on Sabonis's chest. He he uh member in the playoffs and got suspended. Yeah. And if you just think over the last thirteen months of basketball, for punching Jordan Poole in the face, for stomping on Sabonis's chest, and for putting Rudy Gobert in a ten second chokehold, he got suspended for a grand total of six games. Like a this idea that, that this game. is too harsh. Or anything like that is just an absurdity. It's just totally re the and the point that I want to make is as Draymond declines as an athlete and is less and less effective, there's going to be more and more of this. Shit. There just is 
Like, and so I, your point is the juice is not worth the squeeze. I, and I do feel like retroactively people are forgiving Draymond more and more for punching Jordan Poole because they're seeing how Jordan Poole's acting with the Wizards. (laughs) And, and I understand that to a degree, but it's all, what's also true is that that wrecked their team. That ruined. They were the defending bad time of the season to do that type of stuff. I mean, they were no time to do it. Champs. No, they were the defending champs, and it ruined their season before it got off the ground. And so I just, he is going to become more and more volatile as uh, as he continues to decline as a player. Go ahead and ask. Do you think there's a chance that they did this? Do you think there's a chance that he did this on purpose because of the new resting policy and wanted to just get kicked out? No, I don't. I I the, the I don't think that at all. I do think it was especially cuz he's now suspended for 5 games. Now, right. I do think that Clay also is frustrated. I mean, Clay started this with Jaden McDaniels who hadn't done anything. And so, I think right now the Warriors are a team that has one all-time legendary player that is still playing at a super high level and two other hall of famers that are nowhere near that level anymore. And they're struggling with it. I think for Steph, I'm sorry for clay and for Draymond, it is not only is it tough not being close to the player you once were, but it might be even tougher because Steph still is because the guy who's always been the guy is still. And by the way, he's the oldest of the three. And he's still at this insane level. And for Clay and Draymond, they're not. All right, let's move on. But uh, Okay. All right, so yesterday Cleveland announced that Deshaun Watson is going to undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. The Browns are still in it, though. They're 6-3, and three with even with Watson playing poorly. How far do you think your MVP, Miles Garrett, can take the defense and the Browns without Deshaun Watson? So I, I was shocked yesterday of how many people were arguing that the Browns are now cooked because of the injury. I the Now, I mean, they obviously can't make the Super Bowl, but I didn't think they could make the Super Bowl before. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they're, they've already banked six wins. They still have... I mean, here's their remaining schedule. This week, home for the Steelers. Tough one, but about a coin flip game. At the Broncos... Maybe tougher than we thought a month ago, but absolutely winnable. At the Rams, the Rams cannot block the Browns. I think that I think that is a Browns win. Home for the Jags, they're going to lose that. Home for the Bears, that's a win. At the Texans, tough one. Home for the Jets, that's a win. And then at the Bengals the final week of the year, I still think the Browns make the playoffs. And here's the other piece of it. I know that Deshaun's final half pre-injury, he played really well. He was 14 of 14 and played well. Over the totality of the season, the Browns are dead last in the NFL in passer rating. They're 6-3 and despite Deshaun, P.J. Walker, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson combining for a 67 passer rating, 8 touchdowns and 12 picks and 180 Jeez. passing yards per game. The dead last. They have gotten worse quarterback play than the Jets. 
than the Patriots, than any team. Deshaun this year was averaging 185 yards passing per game, had an 84 rating, seven touchdowns, four picks. In this last game, he was as bad as he's ever been in the first half and then was excellent in the second half. There's no denying it. So I think they're going to be okay. Now, I also think that long-term, it's a disaster, and their decision to trade Josh Dobbs before the year and a seventh-round pick for a fifth-round pick goes down as one of the worst misevaluations of a guy you have in the building that we've seen recently. If they had Josh Dobbs, they'd be fine. But I still think this is a playoff team. You got some follow-ups there? Yeah, so this Watson injury isn't just about the injury. So he obviously has the season-ending ending injuries and isn't going to be available, yep. but he obviously just got that huge contract. What do you think yep. this means for player and their contracts and, uh, and player empowerment for the future? Well, listen, I mean, the, I think it was pretty clear when Joe Burrow and Lamar and Jalen couldn't get fully guaranteed deals that this was a one-off, and it's even more validated that it's a one-off by the fact that the Browns so deeply regret it. What is noteworthy about it, and I want to, listen, there are very few things on the internet that people say to me that that irritate me. Oddly, one of the things that really irritates me is when folks try to well-actually me on understanding the salary cap in the NFL. Guys, I almost can guarantee you, <laughs> unless you are tweeting so from an NFL front office, I understand it better than you do. And maybe, I maybe <laughs> I understand it. Maybe you understand it as much as I do. But I made the point on television yesterday that, the bones of the Deshaun Watson contract. It was a four, five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed deal. So if they had simply spread it out all evenly, then it would be a $46 million per year cap hit. Okay? That's, that's what it would be. They decided in year one... That, you know what, what we're going to do is, because he has a pending suspension, we're going to pay him basically the league minimum in year one, so the game checks that he loses, it doesn't, you know, he loses as little money as possible. And Browns fans came to me and said, that's what every team with every contract does. No, they don't. Now, they very often in year one have the base salary low, because the player's getting the giant signing bonus check so they don't matter, and then they can spread that out over the course of the deal. But making it literally the league minimum was a unique move that at the time everyone understood was in part to protect him from losing money in the suspension. You can call it unethical, you can call it immoral, you can call it whatever you want. That's what they did. But that meant the five-year 230, from a cap perspective essentially turned into a four-year 220. So now that's $55 million per year against their cap, okay? But then this offseason, they restructured it to give them more cap flexibility this year. So his cap hit this season was only $20 million. 
And I understand folks love to end. They're like, oh, the salary cap is fake. People that don't understand actually how the salary cap works, that's what they say. They're like, oh, the cap is fake. You can always move money around. And as I've said before, and I will say again, you can, but those bills come due. So I will try to explain this as simply as possible for the fake GMs out there that for some reason think they have a better understanding of this stuff than I do. Again, I, I'm. there are a lot of people that talk about this stuff that actually know what they're talking about, and they are maybe less abrasive than I am. My, some of my contemporaries in the media, maybe they have I, I, the and more power to them. But I cannot stand. I just can't stand folks that I wouldn't trust to balance a checkbook. Tell me that this is actually how the cap works. It's not complicated, guys. They have guaranteed Deshaun Watson $230 million. At some point, that means $230 million of cap charges are going to be applied to the Cleveland Browns. So, when two years into the deal, last year and this year, the total cap charges to the Browns have been right at $30 million, that means over the next three years of the deal, and then you can add some dummy years, $200 million must be up against the cap. So what does that mean? That means, very simply, Deshaun Watson, for the Browns, next year has a cap charge of $64 million. The following year has a cap charge of $64 million. The following year has a cap charge of $64 million. Now, if you actually can do math, you might say, wait, 64 plus 64 plus 64, that's only 192. You said it was 200. Yes. And then a year after the contract's over, he has a void year where he's not on the team or they've given him a contract extension that has a cap charge of $8 million. The point that I am making is this. The Cleveland Browns kept borrowing from future Cleveland Brown years to accommodate the Deshaun Watson contract. They, as it turns out, correctly believed this year, we have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Let's go try to win it right now. Unfortunately for them, Deshaun was bad and now he's hurt. What that means in practical purposes is this. Deshaun Watson, not via cash, via cap, is still owed $200 million and only has three years left on his deal. That's why each of the next three years, Deshaun Watson will have the highest cap charge in NFL history. And if Browns fans want to come to me and say, well, Nick, what they'll do is they'll restructure it again. Okay, maybe they will. But that bill is coming due and your runway to pay that bill is shortening. And so the sh- the too long didn't listen version is this was their opportunity and that bill is now coming due in spades. And I think the best Browns defense we're going to have seen is this year's. And unfortunately for them, they had a ineffective quarterback and now an injured quarterback. And I think they are about to be you in a spin team, cycle of any other team would purgatory. Take Go ahead. And that contract. So 
Barnwell, so here's the, Barnwell asked that question, which was, if you basically offered him up for a seventh round pick, would someone take it on? So here is what I think folks need to understand. He might be tradable because when you trade for a player, all you're trading for is their the base salary. So if a team wanted him, they would owe him only 46 times 3. What's that? 138. They would owe him 138 million fully guaranteed for the next 3 years. Now the Browns would still owe a $62 million dead cap hit either all next year or spread over the next two years because of his signing bonus and his restructuring accelerating onto the cap. I do think a team might take a flyer on him if they wanted to cut the court. I do because $46 million a year for three years is not as onerous as what the Browns are looking at, but I don't think they're they're going to admit defeat, and I don't think that's what they're going to do. I will tell you this much, though. This Browns team with Baker Mayfield right now would be a legitimate AFC contender. <laughs> it absolutely yeah. would be. All right, last thing. All right, Dan Olofsky went on Pat McAfee's show earlier this week and said that he's heard that Bill Belichick is leave- Bill Belichick is leaving next year and already knows where he's going. Uh, would Belichick leaving New England as a loser prove that Tom Brady was the one, you know, providing for his legacy this whole time? No, I mean, no, I'm not going to let people do the revisionist history on this. Like the, the, the first three Super Bowls, the Patriots won. They were a far better defense than offense. The last Super Bowl, the Patriots won. They held the Rams, who were the second highest scoring team in the league that year to three points. Uh, this was obviously a great part. Now, Belichick has lost his fastball. His drafts have been bad as of late. Same people but the like idea him? that the well, I'm mean, maybe people don't like him. That's the fine. He's probably earned that. But the mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, he's the greatest coach of all time and was the architect of the greatest dynasty of all time. Now, I do think he's not going to be on the Patriots next year. I do think that part's correct. But the follow up here is, um, I think, interesting. So go ahead and ask that. Oh uh, yeah, so you're obviously in the business, and uh, you hear things yeah. as well. For fans, explain what it means to quote unquote hear things. Okay, so that you listen. That usually means also. also let, let me ask ahead. this: mm-hmm. and, and how do you determine what you can and cannot say on air? Well, that's all right. So these are complicated questions. The hearing things usually means. One or two people that I kind of believe know, but I'm not dead certain I have said it. So I will I will repeat it with the couching of I'm not actually reporting this. Like that just you know, the it, it it's out there in the ether. My only concern when things are the hearing things stuff is how much of it is a snake eating its tail. So I said on the air three weeks ago that I think what's going to happen is that the Los Angeles Chargers are going to trade a second-round pick for Bill Belichick. I had not – I have no sourcing on that. I was – the sourcing was my brain. I was like, the Chargers are probably going to fire 
uh, Brandon Staley, but they probably like Kellen Moore, want to keep him. They want someone to come in. Belichick will want to go to a team with a quarterback to try to get Shula's record. Like, this seems to make sense. I, that was, I was not reporting that at all, and I didn't pretend I was. I just said, of the teams that might trade for him that Belichick would want to go to, you know, what, you know, what's the Venn diagram? I said the Chargers. Over the last couple weeks since I said that, more and more people are saying that. Which, And then you have Orlovsky saying on McAfee, you know, he's hearing. So I always wonder on the hearing thing stuff if what sometimes happens is, so, and I'm not saying that's what's happening you got here. A soldier but boy in so, here, ladies and gentlemen. But go ahead, sir. What does that mean? I, said, I that was mean? the first one to do this. I did that, you know. No, that's not what I, I started no, saying. This first of you were all, first got a bleed. No, sorry. No, that's oh, that's bad. not what I'm saying. I, if you the if, if you're gonna make a joke, have it a be one the audience understands, <laughs> and b be one that actually makes sense. Uh I so the reason I brought that up is I wonder at times if what happens is someone throws something out there that is just their opinion. That right. gets interpreted as a Breaking half news a report, kind of. and then an actual someone that might have inside information in the background repeats it like, oh, well, you know, this is out there. But then when they say it, it actually becomes a little newsy, and then all of a sudden people are hearing it. Does that make, like, the, if I were to... I'll use a different, just kind of fake example. If I were to say to, so I'm pals with Adam Lefko, right? Who's on inside the NBA, NBA guy. If he and I are talking basketball and he's a big Sixers fan and he says to me, just just chatting, he's like, yeah, you know, I think the Sixers should go after, and this is, I'm making this up entirely. I think the Sixers should go after Zach Levine, right? And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It'd be an interesting fit. They have the pieces, whatever. And then on TV, I go out and I'm like, you know, one of the places to watch Zach Levine at is Philly. I was talking to, you know, an NBA person recently. They really liked the fit, right? So I didn't say that. Everybody... I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people know that I have a relationship with the guy who runs the Sixers, Daryl Morey. They could hear me say that, assume that when I said, you know, I got, you know, I was talking to an NBA person, they like the fit. That's who I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden there, it's like, hey, hearing Zach Levine connected to the Sixers, when in reality it would have just been because a Sixers fan who's a buddy of mine said he liked the fit and he's yeah. so that so the that is the difference between you know I'm hearing such and such and you got to know who's saying it. If Jay Glazer, who doesn't report many things but has a near perfect hit rate, says he's hearing things, it probably means he's hearing it from an actual decision maker. If right. I say it. It could, I, DeMonte could have mentioned it. Who knows? Like, it it, who, the, it, well, that did happen. That did happen in a very roundabout way. 
I was on TV and we were talking, we were playing the Jordan, a Jordan Poole highlight. And I just said in passing, I was like, yeah, and I can't believe some people uh, thought this guy could average 30 a game. And Wilds is like, nobody thought he could average 30 a game. And I said, no, some of our colleagues did. I can't even remember who, but I heard it. And then I realized <laughs> the who was Demonze. Um, Wait, so, yeah, by so the way, you said earlier that you didn't get my joke. I got the mm-hmm. joke. You just didn't get it. It's cool. It's fine. Well, you, and of what course, you, you got the joke. You told the joke. Wait, but the fans also got the joke. It wasn't just me. It was the fans. Oh, the chat got, got the a joke? Whole, there's like eight folks in the chat saying that they got the joke. Soldier Boy okay, said that he was well, the first rapper to do this, that, and the third. And he's like not the first. And he, that's just his bit. And you like had like a start to a Soldier Boy. But I wasn't so, saying... Okay, you weren't saying you were the first one to do something. You were saying you were the first one to say something, and then they no. But I but so I the I what I do think the Belichick Chargers thing was not a thing people were talking about three weeks ago when I kind of threw it out as a possibility on first things first. I am not claiming that that is why people are now talking about it though. I do think that a month ago it wasn't really out there in the ether. And I just kind of put put it together because there are not a lot of places that I think are going to fire their coach that also Belichick would want to go to that have a quarterback, but the Chargers do. All right, do our gambling show next. What's right? Are you ready to take control of your health and conquer your weight loss goals? Look no further than Factor, your ultimate solution to better eating. Each factor meal is always fresh, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. No more waiting around or spending hours in the kitchen. Just heat and eat. It's that simple. Over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor ensures you'll never get bored. With more than 60 add-ons to help you stay full and feeling good all day long. Pancakes, smoothies, and more. With Factor, there's no prepping, no cooking, and certainly no cleanup needed. The best part? You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save because we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Eat better, feel better, and conquer your day with Factor. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off. Fuel up. Eat better and achieve greatness. Get started today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. 
from gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform it's designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash right. Your mental health journey begins here. All right, welcome back in What's Right with Nick Wright, episode 194. And the holidays are upon us, and I know everyone will start thinking of what gifts to buy their significant others. I know I have. Well, I'm excited to share a great holiday gift idea with you, Lightbox. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds, proudly grown from 100% renewable wind energy at the Lightbox Lab in Portland, Oregon. Not only that, but they're very simply priced. Lightbox's lab-grown diamond jewelry ranges from classic studs, more of the moment tennis bracelets, drop earrings, and so much more. I know my wife would like any of those. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are perfect for family, friends, or even yourself. Make it easy for yourself and get everyone something special with a discount code we have for you. Shop now at lightboxjewelry.com and use promo code NICKRIGHT. For 10% off site-wide, that's lightboxjewelry.com, promo code NICKRIGHT for 10% off site-wide. All right, now our week 11 picks coming off our best week of the year, 3-1-1. Listen, we have not been dynamite this year, but as I said, hovering right around 500 and looky there. 50 games in, 24-25-1. Now that's still minus 3.5 units, but only a game below 500. And this was right around where we were last year when we got red hot. So the picks last week, Jacksonville plus three was obviously a disaster. They got annihilated. But the other ones, Cleveland plus six, they went outright. Houston plus seven, they went outright. Detroit minus three, that's a push against the Chargers, so be it. And Dallas minus 16 and a half against the Giants went exactly how I told you it was going to go. Now, once again, I got a little unlucky in that For I did the, my three picks on TV, which I picked from here, and I had five picks to choose from. I included the one loss, so that's unfortunate. So instead of going 3-0 and or 2-0-1 and on television, I went just 2-1, and but we're 24-25-1 on the year. Demonze, what's my first pick of the week? Your first pick of the week is Pittsburgh plus one at Cleveland. Uh, now you can get it at yeah. plus one and a half. Okay, so, so Pittsburgh plus one plus and a half. And a half. Uh, so the Cleveland is starting... Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a fifth-round rookie, who, listen, he only started one game this year, and that was the game Deshaun Watson pulled himself out of a couple hours for kickoff. He was terrible, but I'm not going to hold that against him. He didn't get the full week of practice, and he didn't know he was going to start. I thought Dorian Thompson-Robinson was excellent in the preseason, and I think he'll be okay. I just don't know if he'll be okay this week. I also, maybe I'm the only one, I respect what the Steelers have done. I know that they probably, from a metrics and a stats standpoint, they shouldn't be 6-3, and 
but they are. I picked them before the year to win that division. I still think they're live to do that. I think that the offense has, I don't want to say gotten better, but shown a few signs of life over the last couple weeks since Matt Canada moved down from the booth to the sideline. And right now, I told you, AFC North teams getting points. I said it more than three and a half is an a, a, uh, almost must bet. I'm not betting the Thursday night game tonight. But is I know this is only one and a half. I just like Pittsburgh in this spot. AFC North division games, underdogs are 69-46-3 against the spread in the last decade. Uh, and Tomlin as a dog has been one of the most profitable plays in the NFL over the last five years. So I, I like Pittsburgh. I think they're going to win outright. Go ahead, Demonze. Speaking of years, this is going to be the second lowest NFL over-under in the last 10 years. So a lot of defense being played, a lot of scoring. Really? Hold on, what's the yeah. total? The total in this game is 33? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of sound, sounds about right. Uh, I mean, that's, considering what both teams hold on, have. that's not... The, a 33-point NFL over, not under, is... And I'm looking right now at C32.5 in some spots. That's crazy. 32.5 for Saints-Browns last year, and... Uh, in 33 or 32 and a half this week. That's wild. I didn't realize that. That is, but that, and again, you're not getting a lot of points, but give me a point and a half if they lose 17-16. I guess what Vegas, and that, by the way, if it's a 33-point total and it's a point, point and a half spread, that's what Vegas is saying, this is a 17-16 Cleveland win. All right, next. Next, you've got Jacksonville minus six and a half versus Tennessee. Yeah, Jags at home, bounce back spot after getting blown out by the... the Demonze doesn't like it. He's making a very unattractive face about it. I don't think you want that on for the YouTube audience, <laughs> pal. Um, and I, the one of the mistakes some gamblers make is in a positive or negative direction overreacting to what we saw last one week ago. I understand the Jags couldn't block the Niners, the Niners looked like a machine and the Jags looked terrible. The Jags, the, here's a good stat from our producers, teams, good teams, teams above 500 who scored less than 14 points in the previous week over the last decade are 101 and 77 against the spread in the last, uh, in the last decade. Why? Because people overreact to them. This should Jacksonville at home against Tennessee should be laying more than a touchdown. They're laying six and a half. I understand Vrabel getting points typically. He's not quite Tomlin, but he's in that realm. I just don't like this Tennessee team at all. Jacksonville needs this game, especially with Houston coming on hot for the division. And that's a losable game next week against Houston. The Jags are not losing three straight. They are a good team. Their losses this year have come to the Chiefs, the Texans, and the Niners. Two excellent lose. teams. Question is, if they're going to lose, it's if they're going to win by seven. But. Yeah, and I think they will. I think they actually win by double digits. I like the Jags minus six and a half. Next, Seahawks minus one at the Rams. All right, all of the trends on this are bad for me. McVay owns Pete Carroll, uh, which I understand has been a problem. Uh, Gino is a favorite, is not good. This is a very straightforward one. 
I think the Rams right now are actually slightly overvalued. They're obviously, and we talk about this every week, they obviously are not going to have home field advantage in any of these games. And the Rams coming into the year, people thought this could be one of the worst teams in football. They threw everyone off the scent because in week one against Seattle, they blew them out. And people were like, oh, maybe the Rams are going to be legit. They're not. Since then, their wins have come in overtime against the Colts and against the Cardinals, who were, at the time, maybe the worst team in football. I think the Rams have a brutal offensive line. I think Seattle is a good team that has that has real trouble with the best teams in the league. They lost to the, the Bengals. They got blown out by the Ravens. I don't think they're going to have trouble with the Rams here. I don't mind laying the points, especially because I think it'll probably be a at least 50-50 Seahawks fans there. And I think the Rams are in a rough spot moving forward the rest of the year when you look at what the Rams have on their schedule after the Cardinals game. It's hard to they have the Cardinals and the Giants. Aside from that, I don't know if they have another win on their schedule. I like Seattle, but I shouldn't say bounce back spot because they won last week against the Commanders. But I like Seattle. I'm only laying a point. I'll take Seattle minus one. You've got my blessing on that one. You one. like that one? Okay, good. I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Next, uh, Minnesota plus two and a half at Denver. Yeah, I think people are right now overvaluing Denver and undervaluing Minnesota. Minnesota's coached very well by Kevin O'Connell. Josh Dobbs has played well. And Denver, man, Buffalo did everything they could to lose that game, and Denver still almost gave it to them. Denver still tried to give it right back to them. I think the it's very interesting watching Sean Payton call plays for this Denver team because even though Russ has... Uh, some of his numbers are shockingly good. Sean Payton clearly doesn't trust him and is trying to coach around the quarterback and the play calling. I don't think that will work against Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to be able to take care of the football. Minnesota is in a spot where they are, you know, it, it, they can't obviously lock up a playoff spot, but because it is so hard to find a third wildcard team in the NFC other than Minnesota, they're in a really strong position. They also maybe are tricking themselves into thinking they could run down Detroit in the division. Minnesota is going to win this game outright. I like Minnesota. I, I'm really surprised by this line. I and I guess it's Josh Dobbs on the roads against a defense that has played well the last month. And credit that defense. It has played well. It's played really well since giving up those 70 points. Played well against the Chiefs twice. Played well against Josh Allen. I just think Minnesota is a better team than the Denver Broncos. And I think right now Denver on a short week after an emotional win is primed for a bit of a letdown spot. After a couple emotional wins, I should say, beating the Chiefs and beating the Bills, I like Minnesota plus the two and a half. All right, last one. I think that's going to be a good game. <clears throat> last one, you got yep. Kansas City minus two and a half at Philly. Or versus Philly, sorry, at home. Yeah, at home. Um, Yeah, I don't care about the Mahomes against the spread numbers because he's almost always such a huge favorite. You're, it's so rare to be able to get the Chiefs laying less than a field goal. When you have that opportunity, 
I think it's almost a must bet. If you remember, they were underdogs in the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati, despite it being at Arrowhead because of Mahomes' injury. They were underdogs in the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs' Andy Reid off a bye is about as good as it gets in this league. Now, I understand the Eagles are also off a bye, but Mahomes' unwavering confidence that the offense is going to get it going is incredibly encouraging. Say it again. All you need? Feel warm and Yeah, just a I mean, I think the Chiefs' defense is excellent. And Mahomes, absolutely, it does not seem like false bravado that the Chiefs are yeah. going to get it going on the side I was about to say, ball. would and, he be like, we don't have it figured out. Like, that's obvious. I feel like that's the stance he's going to no, take. No, but I just, I just believe, I, 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 those are, the, you're right, he wouldn't say it. He wouldn't say the other that he didn't have confidence, but I believe him. And the way he has said it and the way he has conducted him, the way he conducted himself after the Dolphins win, when the offense didn't play well and the Chiefs won, he seemed more confident than had they won 35-32 because I think he believes correctly the offense will get it figured out and that Chiefs defense just dominated what had been the highest scoring offense in the league. And so the Chiefs are at home laying less than a field goal off a bye against an Eagles team that while their record is excellent and I have massive respect for the Eagles, the Eagles, it's not like they have looked like a flawless team up to this point in the season. This is, to me, a great spot for the Chiefs to remind everyone they're still the best team in the NFL, hands down. I'll lay the two and a half with Kansas City. So, the picks for the week. Pittsburgh plus one and a half at Cleveland. Jacksonville minus six and a half against Tennessee. Seattle minus one at Arizona. Minnesota minus, or plus two and a half at Denver. And the Chiefs minus two and a half against Philly. All right, Demonze, what's your teaser this week, pal? Last week, we know another 2 and one teaser. The Jags screwed you. Sorry about that, pal. What's the teaser this week? Yeah, so we lost last week's, obviously. Um, this yeah. week is a three-team, seven-and-a-half-point teaser. We're teasing the Cowboys yeah. from minus ten-and-a-half to minus three uh, against like the it Panthers. at Carolina. T- I like that. We're teasing the Steelers from plus one and a half to plus nine versus the Love uh, it. the Browns. And then we're yep. teasing the, the Detroit Lions from minus seven and a half to just a pick them versus the Bears. And Demonte, I just think the Lions are going to lose that game. Demonte, this is an A-plus teaser. I'm going to show my confidence in you by betting a full unit of my own on it. You're going to win this week. <laughs> This is I appreciate. I'm surprised you're not saying week. anything about the Detroit leg. No, you got it through all the key numbers. It's fine. The yeah. the now I the the only argument would be, would you want to do a, a seven point teaser to get a little more value on your money? Odds, so get Pittsburgh right. plus eight and a half and Detroit from a pick them to plus half points. Same thing. The problem there is then you don't get Dallas to the three. At least right. now, somehow Dallas only wins by three. So I think it's the right numbers. I think it's an A triple plus. I think it's going to win. Take a quick break. Answer some of your questions in the chat. What's right? All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode 194. This episode of What's Right is brought to you by the McDonald's app. I love the McDonald's app for McDelivery. It's perfect for every situation. Let's say it's pouring rain. Don't want to go out. 
Get your delicious McDouble, McDelivery. Let's say your team's playing. You don't want to miss a single snap. McDelivery. Or let's say it's been a long day. Better way to fix that than getting delicious quarter pounder with cheese and a large fry delivered right to your door. I love to order McDelivery when I'm watching a game or hanging out with my family. And now every time you order McDelivery in the McDonald's app, it earns you points towards free food. Who doesn't like free food? So there's always a reason to order in the McDonald's app. Download the McDonald's app today at participating McDonald's. Delivery prices may be higher than at restaurants. Delivery and other fees may apply. Copyright 2023 McDonald's. All right, Demonze, we got to get out of here. So let's at, let's uh, answer Matthew Flowers' question and then get moving. Nick Wright, what would happen in this game to make you lose confidence in the Chiefs short of injury to star players? Nothing. I Nothing. The... the, the Maybe Mahomes throwing three picks against that bad secondary. No, I, I folks, the folks want me. It, here's the thing: it'd be one thing if my Chiefs, if my level of confidence for the Chiefs was irrational, but people, and if you wanted to call it irrational going into last season when Mahomes had just played that terrible second half against the Bengals and the Chiefs traded Tyree Kill, so be it. You could have. But when they're coming off winning a Super Bowl when Mahomes was playing on one leg and when you're seeing the rest of the alleged contenders in the AFC self-immolate, I don't know why you would believe that I would have anything other than full, complete confidence that this is the best team in football. All right, great job, everybody. I got to go. We got to get to television. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, We will talk to you guys at 3 o'clock today on First Things First. What's right?